Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 67 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show. And you can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can also follow myself at Justin Hughes365 and Andrew McQuiston at AMCQ82. And this is part two of the starting pitcher breakdown where Andrew and I are going over all of the ADP over the NFBC drafts over the course of this offseason. And we're going to get right back into it and pick up where we left off. Enjoy. Okay, well now we're going to talk about a group of three pitchers here, all going within 10 picks of each other as we're talking about, the, I guess, the seventh round. That would be Corey Kluber, now with the Texas Rangers at 98 overall. Sonny Gray, who had a nice rebound year with Cincinnati at 103. And Mike Soroka, hot, really good rookie season with Atlanta at 105. So, Andrew, I want to talk about Kluber first. He missed most of last year. I think he went down in early May with a on a comebacker to his forearm and missed most of the red, rest of the season. And his ADP here has fallen quite a bit from last year. Is this a buying opportunity for him here in the seventh round? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to say. Last year, lost season pretty much, obviously, with the broken forearm. I, I think this is one where it's just going to go really hard one way or the other. I could, see, I could honestly see it being either one. Um, I'm pretty much avoiding him. I... I don't want. I just don't want to count on it. But it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he was a big value here. Yeah, I've listened to some people talk about him. Remember listening or watching a MLB Network where they were talking about him a couple months ago, and somebody was on there talking about how all of the underlying data from 2018, not last year. Honestly, the injury and everything that had to do with that injury last year, I don't care at all about. But there were some real big signs of of declining skills that we saw in 2018 that the numbers really didn't show it. But if you look underneath, there were some things to be worried about. That combined with the fact that it's also a year has passed. Yeah, I, I don't think I personally want to be on this ship. If somebody drafts him 98 and they get an ace, more power to him. I just don't think it's going to be me taking that chance. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's going to be me either. So, Sonny Gray, he was a disaster with the Yankees there, I think, two or three years ago. And he goes to Cincinnati, and unlike what happened to Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray thrived. Is what we saw last year closer to the real Sonny Gray or what you'd expect, I should say, for 2020? I definitely would expect last year I mean I think he's better than the 18 version not as good as the 19 version probably somewhere in between there uh, hard hit percentage was down a little bit last year you know hard hit against I mean it, obviously that's good but a lot of the rest of it was similar I'm not I'm not really in at this price this is kind of the group like we uh, talked about at the end of the last show 
these guys are kind of the top of a real big tier for me, so I'm just kind of passing on them. But I mean, that, they, they, these guys they're they're fine pitchers. It's just a big uh, big tier for me, so I'm I'm not, not taking Sonny here. I absolutely hate the somewhere in between line, but we hear it all the time. And honestly, it I completely agree here. I mean, you look at that 2.8 ERA last year and a 4.9 the year before. And before I even looked at what his steamer projection is that I'm looking at now, which is 3.92, I was thinking, yeah, I'd probably project an upper three ERA close to four. And steamer agrees. And I agree with them. And I think you do too, like you're saying. So yeah, yeah. It's like one. It's like one of those things. I I think Sonny Gray's a, a good pitcher, but I mean, like he's being drafted as a number two. I mean, he has to be really good mm-hmm. pitcher, you know. And I just I don't know. I just don't feel good about drafting Sonny Gray as my number two. I if he was my number three, I'd feel better about it, of course. But yeah, I'm just uh, I wouldn't want him as my two. I know that. Me either. And what about Mike Soroka? Is this guy butting into an ace as a young up and coming pitcher who just had a real great season. Possibly. I mean, he's obviously really young, really good. Doesn't rely on big velocity, which is good for his longevity. Most likely. I'm not sure that he's going to be really special in fantasy just because the the lack of strikeouts, I, I think he was like seven and a half Ks per nine right around there, maybe even a little under. Yeah, 7-3. Yeah, I mean, maybe I kind of think like a bit of a Hendricks type. Obviously, he's younger and people thinking there's a little bit more to dream on than that, which there could be, but Hendricks going four rounds later, you know, I mean, just, I don't know, I don't. Not really in on Soroka here either. I think he's good. I think he has a chance to have a really, really good long career. But again, you're you're kind of set up here where he absolutely has to be this number two starter. I, I don't think he even really can be an ace unless the ratios are just so elite, probably combining with some batted ball luck, you know, because he's not going to have the nine and a half Ks per nine or anything like that. So really good, really real life pitcher, not quite as good in fantasy, but yeah, I mean, Soroka is good for sure. I'm love that you brought up Hendricks because that is the right comp in my opinion. And you're spot on with what you're saying about taking Hendricks four rounds later. I'm definitely doing that. Uh, I'd much rather just to have him, I don't really. I want no part of Soroka at this price. I'm have have zero shares in redraft dynasty league anywhere. And if I had him in a dynasty league, I would definitely be floating him right now because I just think he's overrated at this time. And you're hoping he ends up being Hendrix. And if he is Hendrix, then yeah, he'll be fine for a while, and that's all right. But I just don't see the upside here. And maybe it comes. He's young, but. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, if I'm if I'm taking a hit in K's, which you're doing when you take a guy in this spot that is under seven and a half K's per nine, I'd rather just take the guy that I know does it every single year, like Hendricks, especially when it's discounted from this spot. So 
Yeah. Just, uh, just not in on Soroka here. Moving on to 29 and 30 here with the pitchers. Uh, Carlos Carrasco at 109 and Shohei Otani at 112. You know, actually, we'll get to Otani in a second, but Carrasco, he returned from leukemia late last year as a reliever, and he's going back into the season as a starter again. I kind of think there's some upside here in terms I'm in on this price. I didn't get him anywhere because I went with the double aces early. But if I missed one and looking at these guys over the course of the last five to ten pitchers, he's near the top of the list of guys I'd be targeting. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I actually got him in my uh, December draft. I believe it was right around this spot, I think. I believe he was my third pitcher and I had Hendricks too, which I consider close to here. So it was like Strasburg, forget who my number two was, and then Carrasco and Hendricks. Uh, First and foremost, good to see him back on the mound. Healthy as far as we know right now. I mean, I I think it's going to be pretty easy to root for him in 2020. I mean, it, it really just comes down to how much they're going to push him. I I think some of that is kind of uh, to be determined. I, really good pitcher, obviously, if he's out there. I mean, you just hope everything's okay. But the question with him and kind of with everybody is just the, the volume. And it's a little different with him because it's just a different situation. But before last year, 200 and 192 innings the previous two years – like I said, I, I just wonder how much they push him. Like, you know, mid to late season, if he's kind of going full bore at the beginning. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that they won't, but I I kind of feel like it's a little hard to believe that they'll really push him. I don't know. I'm going to try to look up his spring training and see what he's been doing this spring because I really haven't looked. But I'm going to move on to Otani, and maybe I'll bounce back to that afterwards. Uh, I don't think we talked about Otani during the DH conversation, did we? I don't remember doing it. Um, I thought we did, but maybe we not. did. Well, good. If maybe we did, not. I don't remember. I can't remember either. We do so many of these; you kind of all it all just blends together. Yeah, we might but, have skipped over him actually. I, I don't remember. I. Either way, this guy's a unique player to discuss. He's going to start the year as a full-time DH with the Angels hoping or planning on having him ready to rejoin the rotation in May, which I find odd because he had Tommy John surgery in October of 2018. So we are well past a year, getting close to a year and a half, and hes I, I don't understand why they don't have him pitching full right now. I'm not even saying it's the wrong move because... The Angels are hoping to be a competitive team, and maybe you just don't have him start the year so he can pitch through the end of the year. If that's their logic, I I get it. But if that's not it, I'm confused on why they don't have him up pitching right away. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, it could have something to do with just trying to control his innings and stuff. It's a good question. I mean, it's a good point. I don't so, know. I, with Otani in redraft leagues this season, 
aside from daily leagues, I mean, and I don't play in really any daily leagues. I'm just ignoring him. Like, I just don't want to deal with it. I'm not saying it can't work out. It can. He's obviously a very unique, special player. I mean, and, you know, there's probably, you know, he could pave the way for more of these guys in the future. I mean, I could totally see that. And he's really fun and interesting, you know, but I just don't want to deal with it during the season. I, I don't know how many innings he's going to pitch. I kind of mentioned it before, but it's like the day after he pitches, is he going to not be in the lineup the day before he pitches? Is he going to not be in the lineup when it's weekly and, or, you know, twice a week where you can swap him out. It's like, you can't swap your pitcher. You can swap your hitter. You got to make that decision on Monday. They may not announce on Monday. You may not know what's going on for the whole week with him. I just don't want to deal with it. Like I have been just pretty much completely ignoring him in these formats that I play in, in redraft and maybe I'll regret it, but I'm just, uh, I just kind of, it's like wait and see with me, with him. And then maybe next year I'll be in, I don't know, just it, it, a lot of it may have to do with the fact that he's such a different player. I can't wrap my head around it. I'll admit that too. I mean, maybe that's part of it, but I'm just, uh, I feel like it's going to be more of a headache than anything. And I just don't want to deal with it. No, I think you're on to something there in a daily league. Also, I have him, I play in one daily league. It's a dynasty league and I couldn't be more excited to own him. But I have zero shares in weekly leagues and have zero desire to own him because, well, at, you know, at, at a certain price, of course, but I just think he'd be maddening to own. It's honestly the most excited I'd be about owning him is the first month or so when he's not pitching because at least then you're getting a full-time DH and you're getting yeah. some pretty good stats. But once he comes back and he's in between, you're getting a part – you're either putting him in for one start every week where he's probably only throwing five innings a lot. I think he's going to be really dialed back for the innings early on. or And you're getting that start every fifth or sixth or seventh day. Or you're putting him in to hit, and you may be getting three to four days of hitting. And I just I want no part of that. I'm not a fan. And honestly... He's right up there with somebody from the next tier is what I would say the worst values in redraft leagues this year amongst pitchers. It kind of it kind of does depend too though on how you can use him specifically. Yes. I know I know there are leagues where you can use him as like in both spots, pitcher yes. and hitter at the same time and get all of his stats and obviously that's huge. Yeah, that and changes everything. Daily, yeah, that changes everything. And daily formats, it's huge. But like in a in a in a weekly where like let's just say on Monday morning they're saying, you know, Otani is slated to start that Saturday pitching. And you decide for that week you're going to use him as a pitcher. And then let's say they have a rain out in the that you start him at pitcher they have a rain out in the middle of the week and he winds up getting pushed till Monday. He's locked into your lineup. You get a zero and he hits three home runs at the plate or something mm -hmm. and you don't get the at bat. You know, it's just in those formats specifically, 
it's nothing but a headache. And I just feel like it'll be more trouble than what it's worth at this price. But yeah, if you get all of his stats together, which is how they, the league should be. I mean, I'm kind of on that where I wish that every one of these sites could figure out how to give his owners the full usage of, of all of it because it's just better. I just think mm-hmm. that that's just better because it gives you more of an idea of his, his real life value too, you know, to the angels and just everything else. But um, there's not a lot of them that are doing that. And I don't know. It's just, it's tough if you can't, if you have to pick each week. And I, like I said, I just don't want any part of it. You know, in that daily dynasty, we did the startup a year ago. And I know I've said this on this podcast, I took him in the top of the third round and have been pumped about this year with him and going forward as he should be doing both at some point during this year. And this offseason, a couple times, somebody's asked me about trading for him. And I just won't even entertain offers because I legitimately believe by the end of this year, he could be the most valuable player in that league. Just, yeah. we don't know. But Or even, it, in, or even in like two years, you know. Yeah. Like, like he's probably not in a, in a daily format. He's probably not gonna be less valuable than he is right now. Mm-hmm. Other than I guess you you know you could have said he was less valuable a year ago because he was out. Mm-hmm. You know whatever, but um, just going forward, I mean, assuming health and stuff, it should come together in some way. So I don't know. It's just obviously very unique, and I think. Half of it is half of it is me getting the weekly part of it, but half of it may just be me not being able to wrap my head around the rest because we haven't seen a guy like this before. You know, so he's a unicorn. Yeah. Going back to Carrasco, uh, a couple alarming things as I was just looking at his news from this spring training. He has already dealt with um, some hip flexor strains in late February. Finally got a start about a week ago, and right after that start, he's dealing with right mild elbow inflammation. Yeah, I did so, see that earlier. Yeah, That's not good. The fact that he's already dealing with two different things, that does give me a little bit of pause, just already dealing with stuff. I mean, it's spring training, and it could be nothing, and he could be pitching opening day and throw 195 innings. But still, when you have a guy coming back from stuff like this and he can't even get on the mound right now it's not a good sign not uh, i shouldn't say it's not a good sign but it's not what you want to see anyways yeah i definitely don't think he's throwing 195 innings regardless of anything yeah okay let's move on to the next tier and we got 31 through 37 all of these guys going within 13 picks of each other 117 to 129 picks overall here and that's zach wheeler with the phillies at 31 Frankie Montas at 32 with the A's. Madison Bumgarner with Arizona at 123. Uh, Denelson Lamette with the Padres at 30, pitcher 34. Lance Lynn with the Texas Rangers at 35. Rookie Jesus Lazardo with the A's at 36. And Zach Gallen at 37. And there's a lot to discuss here. And I do want to do kind of a rapid fire on these guys. But if you want to go a little deeper on any of them, feel free to. Uh, question one, who are you wanting the most on this list? 
Uh, for me, it would be between. I think they're pretty close. Montas, Lamette, and Lance Lynn. Yep. I'm with you. Montas is definitely my favorite on the list. And Lamette and Lynn are definitely both interesting, too. Um, Frankie Montas had a breakout season with a PED suspension in there. Does that give you any concern over how real the breakout was last year? No. No, not really. I guess maybe if he's terrible at the start of this year, people will be saying that. But I don't really uh, give it too much consideration. I think he's fine. 40% whiffs on his splitter last year, elite pitch. I think Montas is potentially a stud. I mean, you need to see it a little bit more. But, yeah, definitely a huge Huge uh, step forward last year, so should be able to build on it in 2020. Yeah, the more I read up on him this offseason, the more I aggressive I got on with him. And I don't know how many shares I grabbed in redraft leagues, but I grabbed quite a few. I know I got him in the auction. I think I got him in one or two draft and holds. After taking my co-aces, he was a guy early on. I waited till about this point, and the, he was the guy I grabbed a lot, him and somebody from this next tier were guys I just grabbed a lot of shares of. So, yeah, I'm in on him. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, he's going from a pitcher's park to a hitting environment. Is his stock a year from now up, down, or about the same? I think it's probably either the same or down. I don't think it's likely to go up. I think, I mean, the main things with Mad Bum that you're kind of banking on is he has good control and he's been mostly durable. I mean, he's, I think he was first or second in the NL in, in uh, innings pitch last year. I want to say he was first. So, I mean, but like I said before, or on, on the last podcast, it's like if if you're leaning on durability and the guy gets hurt, what are you leaning on at that point? So his stuff, I mean, it's it's gone backwards some, and I don't know how I feel about the move to Arizona. Really, I mean, I don't love it, but yeah, he's fine. I mean, it's you'll get a lot. You should get a lot of innings and you know wins and K's and stuff because of that. But I don't know. I could see the ratios getting. A little, a little ugly. Yeah, you see. I mean, it's. I, I'm. I don't feel real strongly about it, but there's just guys. I, I feel like with Bumgarner, like what I've kind of been thinking all off season is. And there's several other guys in the league that I would say this about, but he's the pitcher I think of. Is it's like you're buying the name, like mm-hmm. just the brand name. Like if his name was not Madison Bumgarner, and he was pitching the way he is pitching he'd be going lower than this. Oh, yes. You know, it's just, there's some part that says it's Madison Bumgarner and that puts him with these guys. But, I mean, I'll be honest, I look at this tier and I I think he's pretty close to the bottom of it mm-hmm. and probably below some guys in the next tier too. I, mm-hmm. I have a dynasty share, but I'm not going to own him in redraft. 
Yeah, I, I think stock down, if I'm predicting. You know, last year I was really down on him. The underlying numbers were still ugly in 2018 going into 2019. And he managed to put together a pretty decent season again. But I think the getting away from San Francisco is really going to hurt him. To where, yeah, I'm I'm really down on him. Uh, Denelson Lamette back from Tommy John's surgery, and he had a 3.4 xFIP, but that was not uh, he was not lucky because ZRA was pushing more right around four, but he had a 13 strikeouts per nine being part of. Then that's part of why the XFIP is that good. So over under 3.75 ERA in 2020. Pretty uh pretty close. Uh, I'll say I'll say under. I like Lamet. Yeah, he's very intriguing. You any anytime you get anybody that can strike out that many batters, that yeah, gives you some upside. 187 and a third big league innings pitched 11.7 Ks per nine. Hmm. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about his upside. I mean, obviously innings pitched is the question, but as we go down this list, we're going to say that probably about half the guys at least. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a whole lot of reason why he would be held back too much this year. And I definitely think he could break out. I mean, he's I've definitely got a interesting repertoire and interesting potential for fantasy just because of the case. So, yep. Pet, Petco Park, all that, you know. Stars are lining up. We'll just see how he does. Jesus Lazardo, uh, man, he's lightning, lighting it up again this spring after doing the same thing last spring. I think he struck out something like seven and three and a third innings in a start over those last weekend. He's been pretty incredible through spring training. But, and yes, there's a but. Can he actually bring value back here if he throws only 125 innings? Because it's hard for me to project many more innings than that. And... For a guy whose ADP right now is 125, this is one of, if not my least, fa- I think this is my least favorite value in this draft right for amongst pitchers and almost amongst anybody. Yeah, I, man, I tell you, I think Hazel Zardo is going to be awesome. I think he has a very bright future. There is absolutely no way that I'm taking him around here. I mean, last year, looking at it, he threw a total of 55 innings. And I just, they've got projection systems have him anywhere from 75 to about 150. I think he's probably winds up, what'd you say, 125? Yeah, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. I would. Well, if he's I healthy. Say, yeah, I would say like 110 to 130, somewhere in there. And there's just, I mean, if you want to take a shot on a young guy that per inning can be awesome, I get it. And Lazardo can definitely be awesome per inning. But there are also guys way, way down this list 
that have similar talent and similar innings limit. I just don't get drafting Jesus Lazardo in round eight, round nine, when you can take other guys that we'll get to later, you know, and they're, they're just, they're comparable in a lot of ways as far as, you know, how many innings they may throw and their relative talent level. I mean, it, it may be a little off, but the price isn't even close. I just don't get investing this pick in this guy. I mean, I, I think he can be great long-term, but this year I'm just not drafting Jesus Lazardo. And again, he was lighting it up last year in spring training. And then all of a sudden his shoulder started barking and we really didn't see him till the second half of the year. Who's to say that doesn't happen again here in two weeks? We don't know. And for a guy whose durability has been a problem his whole career, I mean, he's already had Tommy John surgery. They've babied him since he came back. I just, it's hard for me. I like if, if I was taking the over under at 125 or 120, I'm still taking the under just because of the injury plus the ceiling, what I think it'll be. So, yeah, I'm out on this price. I have a dynasty share. Very excited about him, but not in redraft. Uh, Want to touch on any of these other guys? Gallon, Lynn, I think those are the only two we haven't talked to about this group, or Zach Wheeler. Anything on any of them? Uh, I'm not really in on Wheeler. I feel like I say that every year, but I just think he's – little bit overrated uh lance lynn man this guy second most innings pitched thrown last season in the majors 24 consecutive starts to end the year with 100 pitches or more and in nine of those he had 10 k's i was i watched a lot of lance lynn last year because i owned him i picked him up and carried me to a couple titles and i it's just crazy. This guy, I mean, he'll be out there and he'll be at like 110 pitches or 108 pitches, whatever, through six or seven. And it's a point in the game where 95 to 98% of starters are coming out of the game. And then you look back at the TV 15 minutes later when, he, when they're going back out. And he's going back out there, throwing 120. It's just, oh, man, it's crazy, incredible. I mean, I just, this guy can just go so deep into games. It's it's remarkable. He has to work a little bit harder. I mean, he's obviously not quite as good as some of the other guys that do that, but he was really good last year. So definitely like Lynn. I mean, I think the price is fair. I don't, I don't necessarily expect a repeat, but you're not. I mean, some of that's baked in with the price. Because he was basically an ace last year, so. And then Gallon, I don't know. I'm not really in on Gallon. He was really good last year, but I'm not sold. He's going to do that over a full season. I know he's kind of everyone's favorite shiny, uh, shiny new toy, but not really mine. Okay, well, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll move on to the next tier. <laughs> We got another group of pitchers to talk about here. Uh, 
38 through 45 for the starting pitchers, ranging everywhere between picks 134 and 160. James Paxton with the Yankees at 134. Max Fried with the Braves. He's the pitcher number 39. Hyunjin Ryu with the now with the Toronto Blue Jays. Then we got Eduardo Rodriguez with Boston. Luis Severino, who's out for the year, so we're just going to ignore him, but I still left him in there at least. He was the pitcher number 42 and dropping. Robbie Ray with Arizona. We got Julio Urias with the Dodgers and Kyle Hendricks with the Chicago Cubs. So first off, Paxton's ADP is this high because of early offseason drafts, but as I wrote that, I went and looked afterwards i don't think he's supposed to miss as much time as i thought isn't he supposed to be back in like may yeah the last thing i read was it was actually earlier today uh said late april early may they're thinking i mean obviously when you're that far out it's a little bit of a guess it could go you know an extra week or two on either end of that so it's hard to say for sure but yeah something like late april early may that means it's ADP here isn't as dropped because of the injury as far as I was thinking it would be. Like, I was like, oh, he must be, they must not have caught up to the injury. But that injury was a little while ago, and he's still 134. I bet he's not going too far off of that in most drafts right now. Uh, Who on this list intrigues you at their price? Just going back to Paxton, uh, he went in my draft I'm in right now. This morning at the 12-13 turn, it was pick 181. Okay. So it was a little bit lower. I mean, I think I think this number here is still being drugged down a little bit. It's probably going to settle in a little lower than this. Yeah. Because it was, you know, so much higher before, obviously. Uh, it was at a spot when he went on the turn. It was I'm on the other turn, so it was the opposite end, but... It was one where if he made it to me, I I was thinking about it. So it was, I think it was about right. Well, let me ask you this one, because so. previously we were talking about Chris Sale and we compared him to David Price at 180. Would you take Paxton or Sale? Paxton. Agreed. Okay. Just thought I'd see what you would say there. Yeah, it's just too much risk with sale and the innings i just i don't have any idea so yeah it's funny to actually hear a pitcher versus james paxton and say paxton he's such a safer bet he's safer yeah (laughs) yeah you don't hear you don't hear that a lot (laughs) but it's true here so anyway who else on this list sticks out to you I like all these guys. I'll let you go on a little bit about Freed here because I know that's your uh, that's your guy. Okay, I'll just. I think I've talked about him a lot this off season, but I've grabbed him in three of my four redraft leagues this off season. The four ERA last year isn't that impressive, but that xFIP was three point three two, and his steamer projection on ERA this year is a half run better uh, than Soroka actually. At 3.58, Soroka's projected ERA is a half run worse than Freed's. He's one of my guys this year, and I, I, this one of my things. And when we do our bold predictions, it'll probably be on there. But I, w- I believe he'll put up more value than Soroka this year. So, yeah, I'm loving Freed. I think his 
a couple a month or two ago his ADP was at 150 and I have been seeing him trend a little bit with some people and his ADP is up to 135 but yeah I'm still grabbing him anywhere I can even at that 135 price because I think he should be going a full round earlier there's one draft I think it was the baseball 365 draft and hold where Steve Trapani grabbed him from me before I get, could get him. But, yeah, love his price. Yeah, no, I knew you did. That's why I figured I'd kind of set up the uh, alley-oop there for you to throw it down. So I I like – I mean, I've said it before, but I, I like Ray and Hendricks. And yeah, they're your two sons. Yeah, so with – with these guys, what I've, I like to do, and I've done this for several years is I like pairing Ray and Hendricks. I, I just love it. I love the construction that, you know, like I'll, anytime I say anything about know the guys you're building around and stuff like that and what they're bringing to the table. I mean, there's people probably throwing up on themselves when they hear me say good things about Robbie Ray. I mean, I know, what I'm getting into with Robbie Ray. I've owned the guy since he first came up and I, I get the whip problems and I watch him. He drives me nuts. Like I've been through the whole thing with him, but like I've always said, the strikeouts are absolutely elite in the last three seasons combined. He's fifth in strikeout percentage. I can't remember the names ahead of him, but it's like Verlander sales shares or, Ver, or, uh, maybe DeGrom. I can't remember the four, but it's like the top four of the top five pitchers in the league, you know? Um, actually, I think DeGrom was below him now that I'm thinking about it, but so yeah, I know the K's are elite and with Hendricks, the reason I kind of like to pair them up is because I know his ratios are going to be elite. So it's one of those things where you get to this spot, you're looking at third starter i've got one team where a couple teams actually where they're like my third three and four and i love it because i think together they can function almost like a two three because you're getting the extra k's from ray and then the ratios from hendrix to bring rays down i just like them as a pair they go close together so it helps more if you're like picking on the ends and you can grab them both but um Definitely. You know, it, it's one of those, if you're, if you're just taking Hendricks, it's a little light on the case, you know? And if you're just taking Ray, you kind of need ratio help. So it just fits. And I love the, the pairing. Um, I, I like, uh, I like Eduardo Rodriguez though. I haven't, I haven't gotten any shares of him this year. And Ryu, I worry a little bit about the the AL East, I kind of thought there was going to be some regression anyways. And going to the AL East, I, I just don't know. But kind of uh, kind of my thoughts on these guys. Urias, I think he'll be awesome per inning. I think per inning, Julio Urias has a chance to be like a top 15, 20 pitcher. But there's inning questions, serious ones. So that's really – I know we were talking right before we started recording, but a guy in my draft – he punted pitch, punted starting pitching for the first nine rounds, and Julio Urias is his ace. And I'm just laughing about it because, I mean, obviously he's just not getting the innings you need from that. So, but yeah, I definitely think when Urias is out there, you're starting him every single time, no matter what. Yeah, Urias is going two full rounds after Lazardo, who we said 
bad value with that pick. And I still think Urias is bad value with this pick just because of the innings. But it, it, that just shows how much we I hate the Lazardo one. But, yeah, yeah. he's he, I, I do agree on a per-inning basis. I think they'll both be awesome. But I one last thing on Ray, just because whenever I, I took him in the TGFBI draft, and the thing that really stuck out to me, I didn't realize just how many people he struck out last year. In 174 innings, he struck out 235 batters. Yep. That is hard to find at this point of a draft. You do not find guys who strike out that many. And right. you're but you're right. You can't draft him and then go draft oh, I don't know, some other bad whip guy here at this John, point. John Gray. Oh yeah, perfect. You can't go draft him and John Gray right ne- next to each other because you're just going to set yourself in a real bad spot. So, yeah, yeah. And the other the other thing with Ray too, like you know, in 2017, he had the year where everything cooperated, and you saw what happened: a 289 ERA and a 115 WHIP. Now, I am not expecting that, but it's just one of those things where you know last four years 11.2 12.1 12.0 and 12.1 k's per nine i absolutely know the k's are elite and if you get a little bit of if the ratios swing your way i mean he's got ace upside or number two Mm -hmm. you know and you just you just have to know what you're dealing with with though with a guy like that and i definitely uh definitely feel like i i know that so pairing him with hendrix is is definitely nice I agree. I think it's real good drafting. Okay. Uh, pitchers 46 through 52 going between 167 and 185. We got Matthew Boyd with the Tex or Detroit Tigers. Sean Manea with the A's. Mike Miner with Texas. Her- Herman Marquez with the Colorado Rockies. David Price with the Dodgers. Jake Odorizzi and Kenta Maeda, two Minnesota Twins teammates now. So, who on this list are you most likely to take? I, I'm going to start this one off, and I we may have the same answer here going off of our previous episode, but mine's David Price, and that's because he's been decent for the Red Sox the past few years, except for the fact, except for the times he faces the Yankees, and he just gets a has been obliterated by them. But now he's in LA. We should have a real good shot at wins when he takes the mound, pitching for a really good team. I mean, he had that in Boston, but L.A., I think, is the safest bet for wins in baseball. And he won't be in the same division as the Bronx Bombers anymore. So I love him here. If you've missed out on all these previous tiers and you still don't have a starting pitcher three, he belongs in the starting pitcher three conversation, but you can get him as a four, possibly even a five. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm definitely with you. He's he's been moving up last last three weeks. His ADP is at one fifty seven. Mm. So he he's definitely the guy I want out of this tier. I mean, especially with the move to the Dodgers. It I like this group for the most part. I got Marquez in the league. I've got Manaya, and I actually drafted Manaya tonight. Uh, drafted price ahead of him though same team um i like maeda a little bit minor i get it with all i like kind of like all these guys but 
price to me is clearly like whatever what you just heard me say about Ray and Hendricks. I would take Price over both mm. because with Price, you don't have to play that game of he's blowing up your ratios like Ray or he's not giving you the K's like Hendricks. He he can do both. So, yeah, I would have him above even mo- some of the guys in the in the tier above too. So definitely the guy I would want out of that group. Yeah, I can close my eyes and imagine a world where David Price throws 190 innings, strikes out 220 batters, wins 18 games for the Dodgers this year. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I can realistically see that. And if that happens, you're just, I mean, that would be incredible for some, for somebody who you draft at this point. Yeah, I feel like he's just, I feel like he's capable of helping across the board. Like, he's going to help you in strikeouts. He's on a really good team. Obviously, it's going to be good for wins. He's in a pitcher's park in the NL in the right, you know, division and all of that stuff where the ratios could be good. I mean, it's mostly at this point with price. It's just about the health. But I think that when he's out there, he could be awesome. So, You've long been a a Sean Manea fan. I've heard you talk about him for years off and on over the years. And he was really good down the stretch after returning from major shoulder injury. Uh, what about the Caper 9? I, kn- I know it was a small sample, but his Caper 9 was not that high in returning. So any concerns there or nah? I thought it was actually good last year, but either way, it was only like 30 innings, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah, it was small. Yeah. A uh, little bit. I mean... In this spot, I think it's okay. I'm more with Manaya, it's just more about durability. I I I just wonder a little bit if he can make it through a full season, but he's another guy that I think is probably pretty good when he's out there. So I feel better about him as like a four than a three. I took him tonight, just a couple hours ago actually in my uh my draft. I took him at the thirteen fourteen turn. So I guess that'd be pick it was like pick one ninety six. So I was good with it there, but yeah. most of these guys were gone. I think this whole tier was gone besides Odorizzi, everybody else. I think, um, yeah, Maeda was gone and the rest of them, Boyd, Minor, Marquez. I probably would have taken Marquez over Manaya, but uh, yeah, all these guys are, they're similar, you know, they're like SP fours other than Price. Three, fours. Uh, Mike Miner, you know, he had the big breakout season, and I still remember him as the young brave who came up and had that really strong rookie year and looked like he may be cooked until last year, and he came back, got in the rotation, and was awesome. How comfortable are you taking him here in the 12th round after that breakout year? I think it's fine. I mean... He's not like my favorite guy in this range. I, I, uh, I like Marquez a decent bit here. I think it's like last year. I remember I was so out on Marquez. I remember trashing. You know, he's going in like round. I remember the first draft I saw last off season, the very first one. It was right after the World Series. This is last offseason, not this offseason. 
he went, I think, like fourth round in an NFBC draft. And I remember just almost falling out of my chair. Like, what? Yuck. What? what? <laughs> and um, right away, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to hate Marquez this, <laughs> off, this whole offseason. You know, and I pretty much did. I mean, he dropped a little bit maybe, but he was going like fourth, fifth round, whatever. Well, he was a top 25 going, pitcher still. I remember. Yeah, now he's going like round 13, 14. And to me, not much has really changed. I mean, I was looking into some of the stuff with the splits and all that. And I mean, I get it. It's cores. Like you're playing with fire when you play when you in his home games. But in his road starts, he is basically an ace. I mean, and you so you know, you figure, say, thirty two starts, sixteen. On the, or on the road. I mean, 16 starts, it's a decent chunk of the year. Yeah. And I just feel like when he's out there on the road, he's an ace. Last two years, there's four guys in baseball, four pitchers, last two seasons combined, with a whip under one on the road. Justin Verlander, Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, and Herman Marquez. I mean... Yeah. When get this guy out of cores. That's and, exactly and what is, I was saying. Yeah, he he's a top twenty starter if he's out of cores. May with the potential, I think, to be even higher than that. Um, so yeah, you just kind of have to know, you know, you're in this spot, you're drafting him as an SP four. So it's not like you're counting on him to be an ace or even a number two. And you just have to be careful. I mean, you're going to have the starts in cores. It's going to be tough. I mean, there's going to probably be a handful of starts this year where he gets completely annihilated. But I think there's going to be goodness, too. So you just got to be careful with the home starts and definitely start him every single time he pitches on the road. I agree. A good good one that you, you got to watch and you got to yeah, pay more attention man. to. I think he's really good, man. It's just yes. he, it's just coarse. It, it, it is. sucks. It sucks. But I, I think even more so than like John Gray, if that guy just could ever get out of course, man, it would it'd be awesome. I like Gray too, and we'll talk about him in a bit in terms of just if he can ever get out of there. Uh, turning back to Minor, you know, some underlying stats do not like him in terms of. Last year, his XFIP was at 4.6, despite that 3.6 ERA. And they've Steamers got him projected for a 4.6 ERA this year. So they're definitely expecting a big step back out of him. So, yeah, take Herman Marquez if you're trying to decide between him and Miner. <laughs> uh, Maeda, he's out of he's out of the Dodgers, where he's been kind of jerked in and out of the rotation the end of the last few years, and they don't let him go deep in the games, but he also had that elbow that people were a little afraid of in terms of entry-wise there a few years ago, and that may be why they've been babying him. Now he's in Minnesota. Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing for him to go from the Dodgers to Minnesota? I think for Maeda specifically, it's good. A lot of time, I mean, most of the time I would say it's bad when you leave the Dodgers and go anywhere else basically to pitch. But for Maeda, he goes from being a guy that would probably be in and out of the rotation to a guy that's in the rotation. 
So that part is just a positive. I mean, I would expect, assuming health, that he probably gets his career high in innings pitched or at least close to it. Top 5% in the league in average exit velocity and hard hit percentage against. So there's there's some underlying stuff with Maeda that looks good. I mean, it's just – it'll be interesting to see him over a full year knowing that he's probably in the rotation the whole year. You know, in, in, the, in L.A., he was going to get moved in and out most likely and into the pen for part of the year and then into the rotation when they need somebody. And now I feel like you can count on some more innings as long as he can hold up, obviously. So I kind of like Maeda actually here. I, it may not be great, but I could. I think there's a little bit of upside. You were saying career high in innings, so I went and looked to see what his career high was. Higher yeah, than I expected, 175. 175. Yeah, yeah, that was his rookie year. Yeah. So I don't know if he'll get a career high. I don't know if you knew that before when you said it, but I was thinking, wow, I didn't expect that because I was thinking it was going to be 150, 160. I'm like, yeah, I could see him breaking that. 175, that might be a little harder, but – I hope he does. Uh, 53 through 60, we got Carlos Martinez with the Cardinals at 188. These guys are ranging between 188 and 224 here. Luke Weaver with the Diamondbacks. Then we got Lance McCullers with Houston. Andrew Heaney with the Angels. Mike Fultonevich with the Braves. Joe Musgrove, Pittsburgh's possible ace now. Marcus Stroman with Toronto. And I put Toronto. That's not right. He's a Met. That's right. He's a Met right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, old habits. And Jose Urquidy at Urquidy. Oh, I butchered that, but I'm sorry, Jose. At For Houston, he's the 60th pitcher off the board. So we'll start off with Carlos Martinez. And they're still pitching him like he's going to be a starter to, to begin the season. And if the Cardinals were to announce he's starting the year in the rotation, Does your how does your interest in him go? I mean, it looks like he's going to be a rotation member at this point, especially with injuries to Mikolas. How are you feeling about him? I feel a little bit better about him than I did a few weeks ago. I think it's increasingly more likely that he's going to be in the rotation. I still question his ability to stay healthy over a full year in the rotation. But if he is, I mean, he could definitely be a value here. So I'm starting to recognize that a little bit more than maybe I, I know I brushed it off previously, but just it come down to how much, you know, if he can, if he can handle the workload, I tend to lean no, but I mean, stranger things have happened. That's exactly how I would say it. I think he's going to start. Will he hold up? I'm leaning no, but yeah, you're right. It's possible. I mean, he, he really had shoulder problems anytime they started getting him thrown a few innings last year. I hope, I hope he's healthy because the Cardinals need him right now with the a few thing is, guys going down. The thing is, is as far as pure stuff goes though, I mean, in this range, He's probably the best of these guys, or at least yes. close, you know? So, I I mean, that that's kind of part of it, too. It's like, 
it's not a ton of risk where he's going. I, I feel like in my last couple of drafts, he's been pushed up a little bit. I forget he got drafted today. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was this morning. Pick what? One sixty two. So what was this way? One eighty eight. Yeah, I think he's yeah. moving up a little bit. And I was he was in my queue as one of the starters I was considering at that turn and he just went a little before. I wasn't like heartbroken or anything, but yeah, I mean if it'll come down to how many innings he can he can handle. So I'm I didn't get a share of him in any of my drafts. I'm done drafting. But I think at this point if I was still drafting, I would be watching him around this point for sure. Yeah. Uh, John Dean asks what we think of the upside for Andrew Heaney is this year. Andrew Heaney has opened the last three years on the injured list, and he started throwing earlier this offseason to avoid that. Last year was a struggle with an ERA near five and only 95 innings. How, what do you think about John's question here about the upside for him? Uh, I like Heaney. I I think of this of the guys in this group, he's he would be one of my top two or three probably. In his last fifty-three starts, which is the last three seasons because he had an injury in there. Uh I believe it was he had Tommy John, right? Is that right? Do you remember? I think you're right. Yeah. But in his last fifty-three starts which is, I mean, that's a big sample. That's close to two full seasons. He's averaged 9.8 Ks per nine. And his control's pretty good. I mean, it's not like he walks a ton of guys. Again, I mean, I feel like a broken record kind of with all these guys, but a lot of it, it, it is. It's just like how many innings are they going to handle? I think Heaney's going to have every opportunity to handle the innings because the Angels don't really have anywhere else to go. I mean, he's starting opening day for them, you know, so I, I definitely think he has upside, though. Yeah, I think he could be really good. Yeah, definitely good stuff. He's got all the things that you want in a pitcher. Strikes out a bunch of batters, doesn't walk too many. Yeah. That. Yeah, he just hasn't really had it, like, come together yet, you know. It's like he was young prospect, and then he was hurt, and then on and off the IL. And I've owned him through some of this, so I've just noticed – a lot of it even more, but then he like has stretches where he looks really good. And then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he could put it together for a full year and maybe not be like a 200 inning horse, but you know, 180 to 190 with good K rates and pretty good ratios. I think he could be pretty solid across the board. I, I like him more than, like I said, most of these guys. So yeah, the rest of this list, I really don't know if there's anybody else I feel like I'm heavily was heavily no. investing in. Is there anybody else for you on that group? Not, not really. I I do think Urquidy's kind of interesting, especially now with the news with Verlander and him just being more locked into the rotation than he was previously. I think he's pretty interesting in this range, but most of these guys. I don't know. I just feel like they kind of are what they are. McCullers, I really like. I think McCullers is super fun to watch, but I don't think it's another thing with McCullers, kind of like we were saying with Lazardo and Urias. I just don't think he's going to get the innings. And he's yeah. going late. He is. He's 
obviously arm talent is through the roof. I mean, he has tons of talent, but I just don't, uh, I don't really know. And the other thing is too, is I could see a thing with McCullers. I was, I could see it being like where he's starting, but only going, you know, like five innings and then he's in the pen and like, you don't know exactly when the innings are going to be. And it's just frustrating. I don't know, like not necessarily on the IL, but just kind of one of those where the innings are spaced out and it's, it's hard to get a read on exactly when to use him. And I don't know. I, I definitely like McCullers, but I just don't really like when I'm looking at him next to these other names, I feel like they're more likely to get like he's he's probably going to be last of this group in innings pitched, barring you know some type of huge injury for any yeah, for I, any of them. I can't help but think of the World Series run from 2017 as you were talking about him. I was again thinking about that to where he had health things and his body seems like he's built to be a bullpen pitcher and in that. Time, during that run, he was the guy that was coming in throwing two, three, four innings in out of the pen. During, I think he even pitched the last three or four innings of that World Series clinching game. If not, I, I know he was doing that a lot during that series. And I just think that's where he's best fit to where I don't, I don't think he can hold up as a starter. I just I think he's better fit to be one of those swing men who can come in and give you a couple in, couple real good innings. And if they actually made him a closer out of him, I think he could be absolutely dynamite. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on to the next tier, we got 10 more pitchers here from 61 through 70, uh, ranging everywhere from 225 overall to 256. And that would be Joey Lucchese with San Diego, Masahiro Tanaka with New York, Caleb Smith with Miami, Mitch Keller with Pittsburgh, Griffin Canning with the Angels, John Gray with Colorado, A.J. Puck with Oakland, Dustin May with the Dodgers, Miles Mikolas with the St. Louis Cardinals, and Sandy Alcantara with Miami at 256. So who are you picking out of this group? Well, about... Two weeks ago, it would have probably been Puck. Yeah. I thought I definitely, I was really starting to talk myself into him. Took him in TGFBI, I think it was round 15. So a little bit higher than this. I definitely think this is too low if he was healthy. But now he's hurt, so sucks. I mean, I think he has a lot of upside, but you just kind of have to wait and see. And... uh I don't know. I, I this for the most part, this group. I'm not drafting really. I haven't. I don't think I've gotten any of these guys. I kind of like Al, uh, Sandy Alcantara where he's at. I just haven't gotten him yet. I'm actually going to try and get him in this draft. I'm in now August and September last year. He was basically an ace. I mean, K rate wasn't the greatest. I want to say seven and a half to eight Ks per nine, something like that over that time. But 278 ERA, August and September was really good. Popular breakout sleeper for a lot of guys this year. And some people are on Keller. 
I don't know. I don't really know what to think there. I really like Dustin May, but I just don't trust the uh, the innings. I just don't know what's going to mm-hmm. happen. I, I have a feeling he's. I have a feeling he's going to start the year in the minors, or at least not in the rotation. So I don't know, you know where. But we're starting to get to the point with this group where if you're drafting guys that are in the rotation that are locked in, it's more just for volume and the talent. You're starting to really notice the talent drop off now. You know, it's like Tanaka. I mean, I don't know. Some of these guys, it's like you, you may get the innings out of them, but just feel like it could get, it could be ugly. Caleb Smith was terrible in the second half. Yes, he was. I mean, John Gray, I don't know. I kind of – I I could see it a little with Alcantara, but wins will probably be a struggle. Obviously not that you draft for those, but, yeah. Puck, I, like I was saying, Puck, and, Puck a few weeks ago would have been my guy, and between him and May, I would have said May like early in the offseason, but just kind of questioning. I got, I think, one or two shares of May, but – I'm just questioning on the uh, when exactly he'll get in the rotation. I do think he'll get in there, but I don't know exactly when it'll be. And when Dustin May's in that rotation for good, it's going to be fun because he's going to be awesome. But just a matter of when. It may not be a whole lot this year. I don't. I don't know. Part partial year probably, if I had to guess. That's the curse of being on the Dodgers. They're just so rich with talent that just about anywhere else they'd be pull, plugging him in that rotation now. He would have been in there at the end of oh, last yeah. year. But yeah. it's just he's on the team with the embarrassment of riches. Uh, I do like John Gray. You were mentioned, you've mentioned him a couple times, and I think I'm higher on him than you and a lot of other people. I didn't go into this offseason expecting to be targeting him, but I've been pretty surprised with how far he's been how far he's been falling. He's had at least a strikeout per inning the last four years in a row. And yes, he's in Colorado, but he seems to be getting better. His ERA could hurt, but it's been under four in two of the last three years. And he, if you just start him for the road starts like um, Marquez, you're not getting Marquez level stats, but you're still getting a really good pitcher with a low three ERA with over a strikeout an inning. Yeah, and I was actually going to. Do you know his road numbers offhand? I I looked a couple weeks ago, and I think it was 3.4 ERA on the road last year. I could be wrong. You can look that up and correct me. I I haven't looked. I was just curious if you had looked. I wasn't sure. 3.4. But one last thing. He has only two years of control under him in Colorado. And it wouldn't shock me if the Rockies, who Steamer, I went and looked their projected for projection for wins. They're projected for seventy-one wins, and that may mean John Gray could be on the block this summer. And if he gets out of Colorado, look out because this guy could be a SP two, SP three at that point. So I'm in on Gray this year. I've grabbed him in a lot of redraft leagues, and yes, just like Marquez, you've got to watch the the games in Colorado, but. You're also getting him later to where, uh, you know, if you're getting 15 starts out of the guy, okay, I'm t- I'll take him. Um, Puck, he, I do want to ask you one question. How, you know, 
is he? Are you? Would you still draft him in the as a starter, even though he's going straight to the you know minor league or injured list to start the year? Would, uh, how far would he have to drop before you would start considering him? Or would I'd have to I'd have to read a little bit more on exactly his timetable and stuff. I haven't heard much since they initially announced it. When I drafted him, it was like I said, it was a little bit higher than this, not much, but um, that was just mostly because I thought when he was healthy, he was going too low. Probably not a ton. I I would still draft him definitely, especially if I had IL slots. Mm-hmm. That would play that would play into it too. I know we were talking, but like that was the TGFBI draft, and it's on NFBC. There's no IL slots, and when you have a seven man bench and no IL slots. That hurts. You get you got you just got to be really careful. I mean, if you're trying to stash like Dylan Carlson and Nate Pearson, like I am everywhere, then that's just too less. You know, there's only so many guys that you can stash. So, um, guys that are hurt, guys that start in the minors. I mean, you got seven bench. You just got to uh, pick those, pick those wisely. But yeah, anything with an IL. I mean. I would take him a little bit after this, but probably not a ton. Pending, pending the actual uh, news on when he's his exact timetable. Like I said, I'm just not not sure about it right now. Yeah, I agree with you there. Okay, well, this is where we're going to cut off part two of the starting pitcher breakdowns. Andrew and I will be back in just a few days, and we'll go over part three. Talk about end game pitchers that we like. And we're going to take some listener questions at the end also. So be sure to be checking in here in a couple days, and we will be back. Thank you, guys, and take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.